trying new things on the webcam tonight. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm Sam Kelly, as, as I normally am, and we're here, as ever, in Australian Dan's lovely uh, flat. Say hello, Australian Dan. Hello. I already said hello before. I don't understand the whole thing. No, this is it's very confusing. Um, and, and English Dan is here with us. Hello. Uh, Joel Richards was going to join us, but has locked himself in his flat, because he's a little bit simple. We're going to tell you that a little bit later as well. Yes. Uh, you, may, you may hear that repeated later, or you might have already heard it repeated. <laughs> But it wasn't repeated. Like heard it, heard it. Kind of yeah, we're going we're gonna to end up ripping a hole in the space-time continuum here. Absolutely. Uh, the reason the reason for this is that we have already recorded the second half of this podcast. Um, and if you were on Twitter yesterday evening, God, this is getting confusing. Uh, or alternatively, just now, we're recording on. Okay, I'm, I'm going to start being sensible now because a lot of people are going to get very confused. Um, <laughs> We're recording. We're recording on Tuesday evening, ladies and gents. It's about twenty past seven, which is, if anything, slightly earlier than we normally record. Uh, but we have already done a forty-minute um, live webcam session on uh, Twitcam. I think it's called. I've forgotten the name already. Yeah. We only closed it down a couple of months. I think we're, we're, it, yeah. we're already lit up at the start of the podcast. Yeah. Yes, that, that's the crucial <laughs> difference. That's the key difference. Um, and and that, that webcam session, for those who didn't see it, you can see it at. Uh, you'll be able to see it certainly by the time this is uploaded at twitcam.livestream.com <laughs> slash user slash hand of pod. Um, and if you don't want to see us but you just fancy listening to us as usual it will form the question and answer session at the end of the podcast uh, as, as we normally do uh, as regular listeners will be aware you get to listen to us showing my clock on the video and yes. talking about the poster in the background absolutely it's very entertaining it's, it's there's thrilling. a lot of highlights there definitely <laughs> um but for now, we're going to do the, the proper podcast bit, which is really exciting, because on Friday at 7pm uh, Argentine time, that's 11 o'clock if you're in the UK, and 6pm if you're on the eastern seaboard of the United States of America, um, Arsenal de Sarandí will kick off their, their Argentine title defence. They're at home to Unión de Santa Fe in the very first round of the first ever Torneo Inicial a radical new format for Argentina <laughs> a um, brave new world an incredible world. departure from previous seasons which uh, Australian Dan and I discussed with, with Joel a week and a half or two weeks ago mm. it's so a whole new name you know it is exactly yeah. it's, it's got like none of the same letters just like one A is pretty much the same you know yeah. I don't know what's going to happen um, it, it's going to all be up in the air to an even greater extent than usual um and so we're, we're going to attempt to uh, to give you some kind of rundown, and this this hasn't been planned at all. It's been planned even less than our normal preview episodes are, and where, as Dan's already said, um, already slightly tipsy on Fernet. So this is going to be an interesting few minutes. 
as illustrated by the fact that I've just taken about 10 minutes <laughs> to do the bit that normally takes 2 minutes to that do. was a very long intro gentlemen the main highlights of the season ahead for um, for Argentine football first of all we've got the Copa Argentina final yes um, from last season which is being played after the end of this I think what we can now call this season uh, the cut off point has uh, kind of already passed or it would yeah, have done definitely exactly. by the time I upload on the 1st of August um, Dan you're going to that aren't you Racing versus Boca I am I've got the pleasure I managed to so uh, please tell us by, by the time this is played we should clarify the first round of matches uh, in the league will already have been played but we're going to do a quick uh, bit on the Copa Argentina because otherwise we'll forget about it yeah yeah basically I managed to secure my trip to San Juan which will be the the site of the first well the first new Copa Argentina I guess we can say between Racing and Boca and obviously I'll be in the Racing Popular I've got a nice uh, 15 hour 16 hour coach trip down to San Juan with the, with the guys to watch that why are they playing in San Juan then if they're 2-1 series teams well this is this is an excellent question Dan and I'm afraid you'll have to ask uh, Julio Grandona about that because I don't really have a clue but it's going to be a nice it'll be a nice day out for me you know yeah the, it's always fun to spend 30 hours in a coach over two days you know so you're literally going up on the Tuesday night and coming back after the match on Wednesday you got damn right Absolutely, yeah. fantastic. Um, Which makes it even better that I've just found myself out of work because now I can do these crazy <laughs> trips. Yeah, I mean, you'd think that it could have been in a neutral venue, like say River Plate Stadium. Um, I think between the two, they the, just rip it to pieces. Yeah, yeah. but, well, but part, part of the reason for the Copa Argentina, there were two main reasons for the Copa Argentina yeah. being being brought about uh, in the particular season that it was, which of course was uh, a. Um, a season which which began in an election year when Christina Kirchner um, not that we would want to say anything particularly political on the podcast but wanted to get a few brownie points from the populace um, do you think and B, hosting and, the Copa Argentina we really would have won our yes because it, took, because it took big clubs all around the country in competitive matches and right. got, it meant that people got to see okay. their favourite clubs yeah. who wouldn't otherwise have been able to see them and of course the other thing that happened to happen in the same year uh, was that it was River Plate's first season outside the Primera and so the other reason I suspect was that they were hoping for a Boca versus River final of course it didn't happen because yeah. Racing had put River out in yeah, sem- yeah. In, on penalties yeah. in the semi-final but then again I'm, I'm going to suspend my cynicism at least for a week until Racing come back from San Juan in Tijuana and I want to kill myself because <laughs> it's nice you know I mean we've talked quite a lot about the Copa Argentina right from the start probably at the start we talked about it a lot more than most Argentine media even and it's it's been a you know people have had at times quite a hard hard time getting on board with it teams have played reserves but I think now coming into the final you can see that there is a definite buzz about it I know that Racing have completely sold out their uh, their ticket allocation for the game uh, both Platea and Popular or you know standing and sitting if with for <laughs> English listeners and um, Boca haven't quite but they're there or thereabouts and I think a few more are going to be are going to be sold for yeah, be for people in San Juan so yeah I think it's they should, yeah, it should be an absolute sellout which is impressive considering yeah as we say both both sets of fans have to travel kind of yeah. 15 hours across the across the country to get there. Um, and it's going to no, it's going to be a very very good spectacle. And in terms of, uh, of bringing the spectacle to the people, which is what I was hinting at a few minutes ago, uh, part of the, the the reason that I suspect this is that next season's Copa Argentina, which I think is being played February through to December rather yeah, than January the rest of the season, one, yeah. um, 
they're also one of the other organisational uh, differences is that all of the teams will be playing either home or away. There won't be these okay. neutral matches, with the exception, and this is why I suspect that it's done to pander to the majority of River and Bocker's matches, which will still be played in neutral grounds <laughs> all around the country. Yeah. Um, so unlucky if you're a River or Bocker fan who's hoping to get to uh, a, a Copa Argentina game and doesn't live in Catamarca or somewhere. Yeah, I um, mean, I guess of the final itself, kind of the. The nitty gritty we can talk a bit more next week because I'm planning to record the podcast literally hours before jumping on the bus. But at the moment, you know, I'm excited. It's, I think all wrestling fans have said, you know, ever since kind of the last 16 quarter final stage, I've been really excited yeah. for this chance, you know, to win to win some silverware. And I'll be interested as well because I think we, I, I think about we all kind of said when it got certainly when it got to the quarter final stage that wrestling were probably going to be favourites because of the teams who were left in it, the mm. big teams. They were in. They they seem to be the ones that we're going to be taking it most seriously. Yeah. Um, and Boca obviously have now now that the Copa Libertadores is well out of the way, as well as the Championship, of course, which yeah. is yeah. fighting up until um, the end. Yeah. Could could well decide to to really go for it. But well, I, I think they need it really. Sanchez needs it after after failing in yeah. those two tournaments. You know, he needs something because it was such a disappointment. I think for Boca to end up empty-handed yeah. after the start of the year they had. But it's going to be interesting to see what kind of team Boca put out because um, they put out a largely experimental team in, the, in their pre-season friendly so far they just yesterday was it last, um, last night won a, a pre-season uh, quadrangular tournament in Venezuela beating all boys in the final after a 1-1 draw they, they won both by penalties on penalties games, yeah. Yeah. Um, in <laughs> typical Bocca fashion that's how they've yeah, got to the Copa final it really does um, so it's going to be interesting to see whether they go all gums blazing and, and put out a really mm. strong Riquel Melis side or whether they continue this policy of playing a fair few kits um, in the Copa Argentina final especially being you know, one of the most promising kids Leandro Paredes um, is suspended for the first round of, of league matches so he'll, he'll have been wrestling I just kind of wonder when they're going to put out him and some of his younger teammates and give him a chance in, in the final um, it'll be interesting to see but as we say we'll, we'll try and uh, preview that next week um, as for the league games I'm now going to open this in a new window um, this this first weekend of the league season sees, as I've already said, Arsenal vs R&D hosting Union, yeah. and then Belles play Argentinos Juniors um, on so Friday. Semi Clasico, as we yep, say. Absolutely. Um, on Saturday, very unusually, Boca Juniors play on Saturday. Um, yeah, yeah. I think we can probably hint at the reason why, mm. uh, which mm-hmm. we will do in a minute. And they're away to Quilmes, one of the newly promoted sides. Colón at home to Lanús. Newells play Independiente. That's a big relegation clash right away because both yeah. are level on points. All right, Newells still down there. At the very yeah, the are, season they at the very bottom, they're level with Independiente wow. on one point. Oh no, they're not. Sorry, they're. Yeah, they are. They're, they're level on 1.184 yeah. points per game. Um, and if we take out the two newly promoted sides, um, that, that's basically the two automatic relegation places if, if River and Kilmes start off the season well. Um, Racing play Atletico Rafaela also on the Saturday. And then on Sunday, we have Godoy Cruz versus All Boys, San Lorenzo versus San Martin, which slightly bizarrely. Was the last game exactly. of the last <laughs> season, yeah. I could remember. But then again, uh, Racing Rafaela was the penultimate game yeah. the last season. Yeah. Um, and then the, the reason that I suspect Boca had been moved to the Saturday is that on Sunday there oh, is yeah. going to be the grudge match to end all grudge <laughs> matches. Um, uh, Primera División New Boys River Plate uh, <laughs> against on. established veterans yeah. of the top flight. <laughs> take on Belgrano um, in the Estadio Monumental. That's that's. For those of you with with good memories, or perhaps even just for those of you who realise what I'm talking about, um, 
Belgrano were the side who relegated River just over a year ago. Mm-hmm. The last, basically, the last game that they played as a, in the as a first, yeah. first division team, precisely. Um, and in fact, in the, in the last four meetings, because Belgrano had a single season in the Primera as well, in I think it was two thousand and six seven. Um, and drew both of those matches so in the last four meetings competitively between the sides we've had one Belgrano win and three draws and we haven't had a River win yeah. um, and that's, that's every time they've played competitively in the last decade yeah. um, so that's going to be a hell of a grudge match mm-hmm. and then as I will mention or possibly have mentioned already on the webcam um, Tigre play Estudiantes um, which that's is going to be a clash of Roman Martinez's old club against Roman Martinez's new club and also Damiana Bills new club against Damian Abil's old club uh, they've moved from Tigre to Estudiantes and from Estudiantes to Tigre respectively um, so those are the fixtures you're asking me to bring this story up about the Copa Argentina oh, very quickly ah. so they're playing at half eight yeah with Lunati as the it tells you something it tells you something about how Argentine football is organised that somebody who already has the match ticket for this <laughs> Has to check on Ole to check the kickoff time. Well, a I, week before the I actually had no idea. Um, yeah. I, th- I knew it was on, mon- on Wednesday. Yes, that was that. Uh, it wouldn't have entirely surprised me to find that it had been changed at the last minute. To I'm sure it, it could still change. It yeah. could. Yeah. You got Lunati refereeing. That's, that should be fun. Yeah, he's yeah. the one that always likes to stop the game when Racing start chanting uh, Boca or Bolivians and Paraguayans. Which is ironic, considering that Lunati is the one who called him Nacional Hoy's team a bunch of Bolivians mm. when they yeah. complained about a refereeing decision a few years ago. Well, I think Lunati doesn't really get irony so no um like an more uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway <laughs> gentlemen had to be said I, I, I don't disagree at all <laughs> um, so gentlemen in, in terms of the, the relegation battle let, let's get on to this first of all because I'm sure there are lots of especially people who were listening to us throughout the last season are going to wonder how Tigre are going to be doing and whether they're going to be struggling at all this season no um Wow. So let's answer a few really obvious questions. Yeah. First of all, Tigre, um, the, the, the three seasons that counted towards the relegation last season were 2009 10, 10 11, and 11 12. And the reason that Tigre were struggling so much is that they had a points total of something like 36 or 38 points for 2009 10, which no longer counts. Which and so now. Which is yeah. horrible. Tigre start this season on first, second, third, fourth, fifth. They're sixth in the in the table uh, for the relegation, so they're really not in any doubt at all. And if they can have a season that's somewhere within ten points as good as the one that's just gone, they'll be in an even better position in a year's time because um, 2010-11 was actually worse for them than last season. But they're not in any danger at all. I'm really surprised actually by the relegation table. I've seen you know I've seen it beforehand, but I've I thought that uh, Racing would be really down into in the fight, but they've got a nice little cushion there. Racing have just lost something like a forty-seven point yeah. season, so uh, they've saved standing. more or less the same. So that's yeah. uh, ten, eleven was fifty-two points for them, and then last season they won fifty. Yeah. So generally speaking, the, the rule in in Argentina because it's very complicated to work out the whole points per game average and different teams divided by different number of points. But by and large, if you have an average of 50 points per season over three seasons, yeah. that's the target. That, that, that's what you get to stay up. So that's that's why Union and Rafaela, both both promoted last season, stayed up with 50 points. Um, with 50 San Martín yeah. went into the relegation playoff with 48 points over the whole season. San Lorenzo have now got two seasons of 47 or 44 points. So they need something big. Um, Newell's and Independiente are the two sides who are tied on precisely 90 points which obviously is a, an average of 45 per season um, in 
if River and Kilmes assuming that, that those two both leapfrog and I think you always have to assume that the newly promoted sides are going to do better you have to think pessimistically if you're in one of these these shirts um, okay. those are the automatic relegation favourites at this stage you would have to say I'd um, say I'd disc- no I'd discount Niels from that because I we would. saw and this yeah. is what I'm going to get onto in a second we saw in uh, Clausura you know Martino really whipped the team into the shape and you can see yeah, they only picked up 48 points over the over the two tournaments but I think was it something like 27 of those would have been in the second half of the season or even more no I think it was might have even 32 oh they even no, got to 30 yeah. off the, the league when exactly. they so it's a little bit misleading you know if obviously we never know in Argentine football they could lose the first two games and Martino might walk out but you'd say you know after a 32 point season and I think they've bought pretty well yeah yeah I, I so agree. I'd be very surprised. I, I would expect to see Newell start climbing fairly yeah. rapidly. Um, and my explanation was was more so that people can um, can get some idea when they're looking at this table themselves of, of what they need to be um, to be looking at. But what you also have to consider, as Dan's already said, is that Newell's during the Clausura finished 12 points above Independiente, and that really tells you that Independiente right now are still very much stuck in that rut. When I saw Newell's Independiente on Sunday to, and they were. Awful, yeah. awful. Just what, awful. what was the score of this? Because I haven't been paying attention to any of these classicals, the NBA, and I was like, it was a no no draw. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, but yeah, Independiente. They, I mean, obviously they've lost um, Gabriel Melito and Pato Rodriguez, Facundo Parra. There was talk of them signing uh, Leguizamón and, uh, and others. I stuff. think Leguizamón might already be there, but he's not in condition to play still. But aside from that, they've got in uh, Paulo Rosales from Union. Uh, a couple of players, uh, Christian Tula, who played the last Libertadores campaign with uh, Atletico Nacional in Colombia. Mm-hmm. Victor Zapata. Victor Zapata, uh, who again discussed. wasn't in conditions to play. But yeah, they're going to struggle again. Like, I mean, the players are more or less there, but it just doesn't look, you know. They sound relatively uninspiringly, let's say, whereas I, I think other teams. Um, San Lorenzo have been the Lanus, big yeah, San Lorenzo, Brass, San Lorenzo really. River have all seemed to sign fairly well and in contrast to them Independiente <coughs> have really signed a load of players who to be honest you've struggled to say are much better than the players that they've played exactly yeah they're much um, of the you know the same kind of thing with the disadvantage that they haven't played together before. yeah so yeah. Uh, looking on this San Lorenzo are going to struggle and we'll probably get off to that because hopefully next week Mariano um, is going to be with us our, our tame San Lorenzo fan to discuss uh, his side's result in the first leg and also to uh, in the first round sorry and then also to, to discuss their chances over the season because this relegation struggle for them is not going to let up even in a year's time if they, su- if they survive this season they're going to have an even harder struggle next year well it all depends you know they uh, could have a depending on how blind is season, this year of course um, but at this stage guys looking at this table who do we think I mean first of all River and Kilmes start from zero Rivers, River and, and indeed Kilmes' yeah. um, points from the 2010-2011 season don't mm-hmm. count to this it, it's got to be consecutive seasons yeah. so they start from no matches played and, and no points won um, meaning of course that if they both start this weekend with, with a win then they'll both go straight to the top of this table with mm-hmm. three points per match um, <laughs> yeah. and it can affect it from there but who, who do we think are favourites for, for the drop at this stage I think well, Independiente and San Lorenzo yeah. maybe a very compelling case uh, well I think definitely uh, San Martin but yeah. yeah I think you've got to start to look at the likes of San Martin Union maybe and Independiente I think uh, are, could be in trouble uh, yeah. San Lorenzo have, have made something like 11 signings 
Yeah. I don't know, we've seen them do that before. We've seen them almost mm. replace their entire squad. Especially when uh, Ramon Diaz was there, he came in and spent, yeah. spent, spent and it didn't really work. But again, it looks like they've brought in good players, so you would think mm. they're going to pull away a bit. But yeah. I've got to say, a team definitely to look at from, you know, if we're going to take into account form from the last season is uh, Godecruz. Yeah, they came up with I think of the teams left in yeah, actually, in the right. top flight no one had a worse year than them and and it would be astonishing if they went down with a 63 point season still on the table which but was the number of points they got in 10-11 but, but look at Anfield last yep. season who had and a 73 yeah. point season and a championship yep. win and still managed to get relegated automatically and there's not much between between the bottom I mean you look at in fact and in fact yeah. you know we've said Godoy Cruz so I think we're now obliged as well to say to point out that Racing Argentinos and All Boys and Colón are all on exactly the same number of points as Godoy Cruz. Okay. Um, none of them were anywhere near as bad as Godoy Cruz were last They're season. Not on exactly the same number of points. Frasing uh, are on 102, Argentina. Oh, sorry, that's matches played. I'm being such a spam. <laughs> <laughs> as we say, we've already had a couple of fairness. But okay, so you've got Godoy Cruz, Racing, Argentinos, and all boys within four points of each other mm-hmm. on that table. Um, Argentinos maybe want to be a little bit careful. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. Don't know how sure. their squad looks. I mean, yeah. so, some of these, uh, some of these sides. Um, I, I'm trying to find a really good example. God, of course, if they were to stay up, let's say. But Argentinos, as Aussie Dan's just said, at the end of this season, they're going to have a 54 point season wiped off, and last season was not as good for them. So they need again to start winning matches now, so as not to have a relegation problem in two years' time. Yeah, um, I think you can say that for probably half the league. You know, yeah. there's not many teams yet. Well, yeah, the, the, so. it all is, but they're the only ones who've got something around that kind of just under that 50-point yeah. average that's sure. going to be counting uh, for next season. Obviously, Godoy Cruz is the main example because they got almost half of the number of points um, last season as they managed the previous season, which is bizarre, frankly. Um, Alright, I think that's enough relevance. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to ask about, about Facundo Sava at San Martin as well. Do we think he's going to continue to help the team push on? No, he's a saviour. The master Avenger, you know. I don't think there's anything he can't do. I can't see, I'd like to see if I can, you know, what kind of signing San Martin have made this year because it's not the kind of thing that gets on the headlines really. In, Absolutely. Uh, well, we've got the table. We, we happen to have the table just here down It's very convenient, there. yeah. Um, so we did ask for it before we started yeah. recording. Uh, I've not remembered to get which of the ins and which of the outs so we've got yeah. ins on the left and outs on the right as yeah. we're looking at this um, okay. so they've signed Claudio Reano never heard of him <laughs> Reynaldo Alberete um, yeah. Leandro Sebastián Velázquez Matías Rudler I've heard of him Rudler yeah Guillermo Suárez Maxi Oliva um, and Jorge Luna Jorge Luna uh, sounds the good. uncle of Chino Luna maybe <laughs> <laughs> the uncle I'm so yeah sure <laughs> Um, and they've let go of Maximiliano Nunez who was fairly good last year I have a feeling he was on loan at the, mm. somebody I can't remember yeah. Facundo Afrancino who he returned to River yeah. um, Ruben oh, Samponi yeah. and Marcos Galarza Galarza did play Samponi I can't remember playing much for them last no. year um, no. they've, they've yeah, had a strength as yeah. much as anything that was much we can see no they're gonna yeah. it's the kind of thing where if he gets to have three years as a club, he'd probably do wonderful things, but you can see, you know, if he's they lose three games, he's going to get fired. So there's no problem with Argentinian football. Although you say that, you know, we've mentioned this before, kind of the pressure out in the provinces, let's say, is, you know, less fierce than what you get in, uh, in Buenos Aires. So maybe sure. we'll see a similar thing that with what happened to Aguero Cruz, like these yeah. guys are given a bit more time and maybe there will be a bit of consolidation. Quite possibly. Um, 
You'd also have to, I mean, presumably, although we can't tell anybody very much about most of those players, although Rudlet was pretty good for somebody in the Primera, I think. He's played for maybe Kielness in the relegation season, I can't remember at all. Yeah. Um, but you'd have to assume that Facundo Saba knows a little bit more about them than we do. Um, and so far, he's shown himself to be an able manager. Yeah. So. Oh, he saved them, completely saved them. They looked lost. Yeah. Precisely. Um, it, it's, I think it's also worth looking, since we're mentioning transfers in and out, at uh, one of the big five, San Lorenzo. Uh, as we say, we'll get Mariano to talk about them in more detail next season. But they've made a really astonishing number of both sales and buys. Their players out include Carlo Bueno, who had a frankly hilarious falling out with manager Ricardo Caruso Lombardi <laughs> um, after himself scoring the goals to get the club in the, yeah. the Primera. especially down to him that they're in the, yeah. the division they've let Cristian Chavez go they've let Sebastián González go Gaston Aguirre never got champagne although I don't think this is completely 100% Martínez Gonzalo Bassan Bernardo Romeo Jonathan Bottinelli who's moved to River and Gonzalo Rovira and they've brought in Matias Ibanez, Fabian Bordagaray, who's returned from loan yeah. um, to Argentina. This is where it gets complicated because they count as players coming in, yeah. players that have returned from loan. Um, Augusto Alvarez, Salvador Reynoso, Matias Diaz, Julio Forch, Juan Mercier, who I think could be a really good signing. Yeah, very it's good almost a shame for them that Ortigos has left just as Mercier comes in because that was the title-winning <coughs> access of Argentina Junior's yeah. midfield a couple of years ago. Um, Franco Jara, who, who we know is going to be good for them already, Gonzalo Prosperi. Uh, Luis Bernardo Aguiar, Denis Trapolorsi, who might be one of the signings of the of the winter. I've just realised. Yeah, like standing out there, is, yeah. and I completely forgot about Trapolorsi. Um, we really should have looked at this list before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the likes of yeah. Para, Prosperi, and Trapolorsi. You know, those are all. Yeah, Puerto Garay as well. Garay, yeah. Yeah. And, it's and, a very good player. as well. It was the last one. Um, I think San Lorenzo have signed really, really well. Um, and it's, it's very easy I, I said to Mariano when he told us he wouldn't be able to be here today that we've been looking forward to mocking San Lorenzo's pre-season and laughing at him and he yeah. said that he's not too disappointed because they've signed better than anybody in his opinion um, despite the handicap of basically not having a board yes but despite <laughs> the handicap of the club almost eating itself over the winter which yeah. is, is one of the things that we're going to be asking Mariano about next week because he'll be able to tell you in much more detail than we could um, that there was a lot of boardroom trouble the manager fell out with the board three or four times seemingly in, in the month since mm. we last had a competitive match for San Lorenzo um, there's been some astonishing stuff happening there so tune into next week's underpod for, for that um, but the other thing that I wanted to say before we get away from the relegation battle entirely and this is a way of segueing in to another very big part is the two promoted teams um, if, if I were Kielmes I would be worried because Kielmes seemed to have a bit of a record of coming up lasting one season mm, yeah. going straight back down um, so if we look at who Kielmes have, have let go and have signed, and of course the, the advantage of this now is that because of, thanks largely to River Plate, we've all been watching the Primera División for the... Uh, the, the, the so yeah, we have a little bit more year, idea. So we actually know who some of these players are. Yeah. Um, the, the players are Ezequiel Rascaldani, who has gone to, I think, gone back from his loan... To Vélez. To Vélez. Yeah. Ariel Aguero, centre-back. Um, Claudio Corlan, who's gone to Racing. Pablo Vasquez and Lucas Roberto Rimaldi, mm-hmm. who's another... I think I have a feeling he was on loan, but I can't remember who from. And he yeah. looked really good. But they've brought in Arnaldo González, Cristian Lema, who played for Arsenal. Was it? Possibly, yeah. Or somebody. Uh, he might have come in, I think he's coming from Tigre, though. Right. But I'm sure he played for Arsenal a couple of years ago as well. Herbacio <laughs> Nunez, Juan Manuel Como Galvez, 
Ismail Kiles from Cologne, who's very good, very yeah. good and very experienced, which is a bit of a euphemism for old, but he's no, he's a young, he's good. I he's he's about thirty-four. I'm sure. not the youngster. I'm pretty we're sure gonna, we're going to Google it, but I'm pretty sure he's thirty-four. Yeah. <laughs> this is a great podcast. Um, yeah, this is. I'm sure he was. Yeah, touted as kind of the next Zanetia about a year ago. Yeah, 1989. 1989, I'm completely fucking gents, I've got him confused. Ancient. Hey, Pension. Uh, yeah. Good. Matos is the one that stands up. But Kines is good, yeah. Pablo Matos, who is. As well as uh, Roberto Naniel, we talk about yeah. him a little bit later in the, in the recorded se- the video. When you say talk about him, we mention him in person. We mentioned his name. But yeah, I think. Yeah, very good striker, physical, yeah. and he gets you know makes defenses uncomfortable, and he can score goals as well. He can and be the, a very good signing. And the thing that's going to interest me with Kimmes this year, apart from the fact that they came through, what we all saw was an incredibly competitive um, battle for promotion from the second division, is that Omar de Felipe, who's possibly one of the nicest managers in the whole of Argentina, yeah. Malvinas veteran um, and all that. Although that may not seem like it's saying very much uh, now and then, but he genuinely does seem like a lovely guy. I don't know, I think there's some, I think there's some quite pleasant guys in Argentina. Oh, I know, I just think to, to, to say that, that he, might, he might be one of the nicest when he's up against people like Ricardo Caruso Lombardi, Julio Falcioni, and so forth. Oh, it's it's maybe flattering him with... with Who would you most like to have a beer with amongst the managers? Ooh. I would have loved to have a beer with, with Basilio, Basilio when he was my nationality. Coaching. Yeah. Oh yeah, Basile. Basile, because then it would turn into like a whiskey, and then yeah, you'd, you'd end up in a hot tub who's, with who's, three who's, strippers. Whose yeah. son would be most like to have a drink with? Definitely Basile's. No, I'll go to the dad. I'll go. I'll go with the old man. Um, but he's he's going to get another shot at the Primera after after being in charge of Olimpo. Yeah, um, and he did well. Like the first year, he did very well. Exactly, yeah. and then he got forced out and uh, uh, was replaced ridiculously with Walter Perazzo, and Olimpo, of course, got relegated last season. Um, after a, f- a few poor results, uh, when you almost got the impression that if if they shown a bit of faith in him, yeah. they might have pulled through. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting seeing how Kielmes do. Yeah. Um, and of course, the other newly promoted sides um, are Primera División novices. Um, I'm being ironic, of course. Uh, you'd have to say kind of the opposite. How's it pronounced? R- River Plate. Right? Yes, I think that's it. River Plate. You'd have, on the face of it, to say the opposite of of, of Kilmes's record recently in the Primera División, which is you know getting promoted, lasting a season, then coming down. Because River got promoted, lasted 102 seasons, and then went down right. um, last year, of course. And they have very publicly let Alejandro Dominguez and Fernando Cabenaki go. Um, how do you feel about that as a real fan? Yeah. I can't say I'm happy with how it was dealt with, but from the the, the uh, as they say in Spanish, from the footballistic point of view, um, they have this fantastic word in Spanish, which is futbolisticamente. We've football, been trying to introduce this into English for which I've, I've been trying to introduce yeah. it into English for about the last decade now since yeah. I first saw it. But uh, um, for, for, from that point of view. I can understand the thinking behind it. They, they want a, a faster team um, and they want to build the attack around David Tresege. Kavinaki particularly, I think, really... Uh, I'll continue as a River fan to be grateful for him for what he did, as will all of River's fans, in fact, because the fans are completely against the club when it comes to this particular discussion. Um, to be grateful for the fact that he came back to the club and helped us through. Mm. The same with Chori Dominguez. He definitely did, I think. Wasn't he the, high, the top scorer in... Uh, he was... Uh, the National League in the uh, end? Yes, I think, I think he, he was, finished yeah. as top scorer. But during the last half of the season, he definitely fell away. Yeah. Part of that was Trezeguet's arrival and the fact he didn't get as much... Uh, that Kavinaki didn't get as much playing time. But some of it, as he admitted himself towards the end of the season, was that he'd kind of fallen off in form as well. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm not necessarily I'm not happy with how it's been dealt no. with, but from the footballing point of view, yeah. I can I can understand the decision. I think there's some very um, interesting, not so much. But the other outs were yeah. Cesar Gonzalez, who I'm not happy with leaving. I thought he was brilliant when he when he was called on last season. Nicolas Domingo, who, if we also end up losing a Sergio Sirigliano, we could really uh, regret yeah. letting Domingo go. Juan Manuel Diaz, who I don't particularly not bothered about him, and Cristiano Saralde. Um The players in. Are, are the interesting ones because I think that River possibly run San Lorenzo and Racing fairly close for best mm. signings yeah. um, Facundo Alfranchino has come back from a loan at Fluminense where he was not no you he didn't see was, was, was at Fluminense sorry Alfranchino has come back from the loan at uh, San Martin yeah. uh, which which is why I had him in, in my mind because we, we mentioned him just a few minutes ago yeah. um Manuel Lancini has come back from Fluminense where he didn't exactly set the world alight but, but he had some good games like, yeah he was, he was there yeah. it looks like yeah, Almeida's planning to kind of use him as his yeah, number 10 he's, he's been given the number yeah. 10 shirt so he's probably oh. going to get a lot of playing time yeah. and then some of the signings Marcelo Barrovero in goal Gabriel Mercado at right back Jonathan Bottinelli at centre back who I don't think is much better than the centre backs we've got uh, but he's going to add no, some no Bottinelli's a very strong Primera performer yeah, and precisely yeah Ariel Rojas as well I'm in exactly Ariel Rojas who's just uh, signed today I think he, he was unveiled uh, Tuesday as we're recording um, was unveiled and possibly whether it's later this week or early next week um, uh, Marcelo Estigarribia the Paraguayan yeah. Ford that's looking who's very strong Juventus and yeah. who is only 24 mm, yeah. and I, I can't believe that any club in Argentina are close to signing Estigarribia to be honest I think no. he, he, he's looked he, he was really good during the Copa America I just remember yeah. him absolutely tearing the pieces Dani Alves yeah. Yeah. in Paraguay and Brazil um, certainly ease the blow of Cesar Gonzalez going yeah. if he came in yeah. and also yeah. I think an, another important one for, for River is uh, having Acevedo back because I thought he he held his own yeah, last season, you know, he wasn't he wasn't bad at all. He, he was not one of the players that, that were no. not blamed for the um, for the the relegation. No, We've no, also no. apparently signed a guy called Marol Mashovka, who I've never heard of, um, but we shall brush over that. I, I think River are going to be the way that I've been looking at it is that in the season that River got relegated, in the overall season-long table, they finished sixth. Um, so that season, they were the sixth best team in the Primera División. They then improved enough, yeah. when they went down into the the second division. It was a bit of a struggle for them because, of course, a lot of other teams are raising their game to play against River Plate, um, and it was a very competitive promotion race. But they came through that, and they've now, if anything, I think, okay, Dominguez and Kavanaki are losses, but I think I would say that they're slightly stronger now. Mm. They certainly have a younger team and a more mobile team now than they had last season. Um, up, uh, so okay. working out. Sorry, yeah, no. much like I think he came from like. Third division. Uh, they've signed a couple of. Um, they've signed somebody from. I was reading about my soccer the other day. Yeah, from some Primera B side. He's 16. Temporarily, yeah. Yeah, he's 16. Ah, okay. Oh. So we probably won't see much of him. No. Okay, so Maro Mashorka, as we've just looked up, because uh, I'll have cut the bit where they asked me to look him up, um, is a 16 year old who has been signed from Temperle. Mm. Who are A. Now, before I click on this link, guys, which division? Primera C, I'm saying. I was just going to say he's a he's a very uh, talented uh, oh, I don't, I don't, talented on the ball little playmaker <laughs> number ten he can play as the number five. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say Primera B, which is the equivalent in Argentina of the third division. And Ooh. yes, I'm right. You win Primera B. Um, so yes, that, that's who Maro Mashovka is, and that's why I've never heard of him. Um, 
But yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Rivers do. I, I, yeah. I will, will say, for those of you who are listening to the pod, a little later that I don't think that River are going to have a title challenge on their hands straight away. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like, uh, it, yeah, it wouldn't particularly surprise I don't think it's going to be such a big jump coming up because I mean, look, yeah. looking at all the players that will all play in the, in the first division before it. Yeah. Um, so it's not going to be like it's, it's a new experience for them. No. Well, leading on from that, should we should we talk about the championship who we think could be the Inicional I think champions? Should. And I've got a very good segue because one of the um, the players who a lot of River fans are quite angry about being let go, and it's not included on this out list because he was already out on loan right. and since has come back and Almeida said that he doesn't want him, is Lucas Orban, the Tigre left back from last year. Um, who Almeida has first of all said that he doesn't want Orban in the side he, right. he's not going to take him into consideration and now has started to play centre back at left back because he hasn't got a number three as he puts it right. um, which is vaguely ridiculous but that gives us an excuse of course to start talking about Tigre and with them some of the title challenges because mm-hmm. I think that Tigre can especially now that they've got the pressure of having to avoid relegation mm-hmm. um, as we've already said the, the format of this championship is going to be vastly different um, not vastly different in fact but if, if one side can finish top of what would have been one of the short championships they were going to buy into the final of the championship decider and I, I can't see any reason that Tigre can't be there they've lost really? some they've, no they've lost some very very well players, actually. yeah I would say I've, I think uh, this year is going to be one of the consolidation for Tigre like yeah. trying to get you know, try and build points so they don't find themselves in the same position they've lost Luna the they've lost yeah. Lema they've lost Roman Martinez and Diego Morales that's yeah, Leandro Diaz as well. He's yeah. last. Decade. But they've got they've brought in Matias Perez Garcia, who is the guy who they want to replace directly. Yeah. Who they want to replace Roman Martinez with, um, and I think a couple of those other players are going to work very hard to because we're talking players like Agustin Torraza from Racing. I'm, I'm right. No, Federico Santander. Yes, from who, Racing. And Torraza was Torraza. from. No, you're thinking of Torrenzo. I am. You're quite right. Torrenzo uh, was was from another Primera side, who I can't remember. But they're all and, and Alvin, <laughs> Alvin uh, from Estudiantes, of course, who they play in the first week. Um, all of whom I think are, were on the fringes of other sides, and I think are going to work hard to to show that they deserve a place as yeah. a. I don't know. I'm, I can yeah. see Tigre surprising people. No, I'm not. I'm not expecting anything spectacular. I think that's right, like top it. ten is top ten is a decent. I think losing the, the the experience yeah. and the core of their side is going to yeah. really hard. Losing Morales, Roman Martinez, and Carlos Luna is a massive blow. I can't see. It, yeah. The one thing that that I will concede is a big blow is not going to extract Olorzi because he was expected to return to them mm-hmm. when he when he got back yeah. on loan from Everton. For listeners who are wondering why that didn't happen, it's because Strakulosi was not being loaned from Tigre, he was being loaned from the uh, the business people yeah. who own him. Actually, it's very, it's very hard at this point to, to pick out title candidates, because you look through yeah. the list and all of the teams that were kind of fighting and they were there and thereabouts uh, last season have, you know... I done pretty badly in the winter transfer I suppose the, the, one, the ones who a lot of our listeners are going to be uh, wanting us to talk about as well and, and to discuss and, and also the, the ones that you, uh, the first thing you really notice um, are Boca Juniors who um, have done awfully this winter uh, absolutely they have, awfully in particularly and we can't not mention this at all even though we've already talked about it in, in previous weeks is that they've lost Juan, Juan Roman well, yeah. Riquelme um, so seeing how they're going to adapt to life without him is going to be very interesting indeed um, they've also lost Sergio Araujo which if anything will be an advantage and, and no I don't think so. he, he could have exploded this year like we never know, you he know. Could have without Riquelme he could have made his tank no yeah looking at the, the, the outs for Boca they, 
yeah, they're really going to struggle for depth, I think, even if it's not... I mean, well, they're losing Roncaglia, the first-choice yeah, defender, Kilme, Moche in Saralde. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Svitanic, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what Falcioni does with this side. Mm. For sure. Uh, they've brought in some not bad players. Ricardo Noera returns to the club. He's Christian Celai is pretty bad. He's a decent. <laughs> no. He's terrible. For Roncaglia. He's already been there and he was shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oscar Mustad. <laughs> Well, well Stadi is, uh, is a good replacement yeah, like, but then they've already got Orion like, do they really need yeah. Yeah. So for, for any uh, any listeners who and we've we've had a, a few tweets in the past suggesting that, that our name uh, our voices were hard to tell apart mostly from North Americans um, so for any listeners who, who get two rather different English accents mixed up I'd just like to point out that it's English Dan who's the Racing fan who was saying that Celai was shit for Boca just there not Sam the River fan so I'm not glorying in this at all yeah. No, Salai, I've got no time for him. Like, I really don't think. Having lost Rongalia and Inserraldi is a very poor replacement. Okay. They need, if anything, I know you. Wasn't, actually, wasn't uh, Burdiso on, uh, on the verge of signing for Boca? Uh, Burdiso, yes. Guillermo Burdiso. Guillermo, Who was going for about two weeks after the season ended to sign for River Plate, and then Boca got in touch the day before yeah. he was going to put pen to paper. And he's not actually on this. I this have signed just yet. Thought, yeah. But if, yeah, um, but if Riso comes in, that would make a little difference. That he's a quality defender. Yeah, and that's from from Arsenal, and of course, uh, yeah. the title winners. Um, the other thing that I want to mention, and we don't have very much recording time left. Uh, we've got about ten minutes. Um, is that another theme for this season? Is changes in in managers. Um, we've had Estudiantes who've replaced Martin Sucarelli who was only ever a caretaker manager yeah. um, with Diego Caña um, Omar Assad has replaced Neri Pumpido at Godoy Cruz that's a return to, to his previous club and, and a manager who really knows that club inside mm-hmm. out Guillermo Barros Celotto uh, replaces Gabriel Schurra with his twin brother as assistant yes yeah, uh, Gustavo. his name is Gustavo Gustavo thank yeah. you Mona. um yeah, but those are the, the three winter changes in, in, in the managerial window. Yeah. Plus, of course, we, we've got, as, we, as we've already mentioned, Quilmes are being managed by Omar de Felipe, who is the, the very, I think, very able and very nice manager who kept Olimpo in the Primera until it all started to fall apart. And River Plate's manager, Matias Almeida, is another newcomer to, to the Primera. So we've got Almeida, Barros Esquiloto, who's not, play, uh, who's not managed um, before. This is his first proper managerial mm-hmm. job. Um, they're two completely new boys to, to top flight managerial um, football yes. and then Kanya and Assad who are slightly older hands mm-hmm. how do we think those are going to work for I do like I like Kanya as a as a coach he had a very successful first spell with Tigre until the yeah. the wheel started falling off I believe he was the one that took him to that playoff with he got them promoted and then, yeah, and then took them yeah. to and then the at the end of his later. yeah then at the end of his stay it sort of sort of went downhill and I think he had a Unsuccessful spell at Newell's very very yeah. briefly, yeah. But I think he's a good manager. He's like he's young. He's another of these guys who brings us new ideas. And Estudiantes could be could be one to watch this year. Mm. I like they've brought in. Yeah, they've done well. well I think Man like Martinez. Uh, the thing I think is going to pay off most for Estudiantes is that we talked quite a bit of last season about how they had a lot of players who won the Libertadores with them. Yeah. Under Sabela in 2009, um, and they've lost Veron. They've lost uh, Veron. Obviously, has retired. Boselli, Enzo Perez, Gabriel Mercado's moved to River. Um, Celai, Galvan, 
a lot of these players aren't getting any younger let's no. say and have been with the club perhaps a bit too long and the, some of the players they've replaced them with it, not necessarily just that they're better players it's not always to do with that no. they're younger and they're they've got fresh, a bit more yeah, to yeah. prove they've got a bit yeah. more running in their legs and a bit more hunger um, and I'm going to be interested to see how Stidiantis going on that this season for, for that reason yeah. um, Omar Assad going back to Godoy Cruz it's going to be interesting they've got um, David Ramirez back which is a regular move and they've also brought in Marawobolo from Vélez so yeah. that, that combination could get them a few goals I mean obviously as we said their, their first preoccupation is going to be staying away from that relegation zone and and then that the, the latter is also a signing that might yet mean that Facundo Ferreira moves to Vélez yeah. to replace Mauro Obolo, yeah. which would be a really interesting signing to watch um, if it does happen yeah I'd love to see that um, so Barros uh, Esquilotto Lanús it's, it's an unknown really yeah completely unknown yeah. Um, Castillejos I, I, I know he's really scored a lot Gonzalo Castillejos did very well for Rosario right, Central and, yeah. and he's returned from loan um, from, from Central back to Lanús yeah. and, and at least in their pre-season friendlies he's been used as one of the starters up front yeah. uh, largely I think because Mariano Pavone has, has left the club he's moved to Mexico um, looking at the players that are leaving Lanús they look to be a bit stronger than the ones who are coming in uh, mm-hmm. you got I guess Vizcarondo coming in who's Looks good for Venezuela, but it hasn't looked so good for for any of his clubs. And then, and the players who are leaving, yeah, some pretty Cameron good players. Yeah, made it. Yeah, come on, Eduardo Ledesma, who was yeah, was all good players who are leaving, so yeah. mm, sure. they might struggle a little bit. Yeah, so basically, it's all pointing to a Racing Inicial win then. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and so the the final thing that I have to ask, since we're talking about the managers who are new to the Primera, just asking to you two so that we can get a neutral perspective, is how we think Matias Almeida is going to. Uh, adapt to life as a Primera División manager he did well in the second division yeah um, he can have done much better champions you know exactly um, so how's he going to deal with I think it's one of those things again that if you if you gave him a couple of years he could develop into yeah. quite a good manager but yeah, as soon as he's, he loses three games in a row he's in well, I think, no I think the uh, the National B win is going to give him a bit more get a bit more money in the bank it's going to afford him a little bit more patience but no I think River, um, River have got it all, all to do well this year. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. to see him to see him do well. And they've, Almeida staying, you know, they've signed well. I think at the very least they can go for, especially given how low the bar is being set now, um, they can go for a Copa Sudamericana. <laughs> I, I think River will do well. Um, if they don't, I think that Almeida could be, could get fired fairly quickly because it's one of those things where it, just because he's a new manager and. Uh, he hasn't been tested in the first division before that they'll, they'll be willing to let him go and bring in one of these experienced guys but I, I do think they'll do well so it shouldn't be an issue right mm-hmm. yeah it's going to be very interesting to, to find out I think like anyway. Lanzini could really start to shine this year he should yeah. be good yeah I, I would agree with that I think Lanzini is, is going to be yeah. previously at River Plate he always had Lamella ahead of him and like Lanzini was always regarded as a, as a number 10 yeah. whereas he was sort of playing back up to, to Lamella yeah he was before. playing out wide he spent a lot right. of time on the wing given the, the responsibility of being the number 10 yeah. I think he's going to be um, pretty good this season yeah absolutely um, so as we've already said uh, these, these new managers River start against Belgrano San Lorenzo um, don't have a new manager uh, but start against San Martin Tigre start against uh, Estudiantes um, and the others Lanus where are they do you want me to do my predictions I'll wait to call on I, I would love you to do your predictions Dan um, and for that reason 
I will now play for, for our podcast listeners Mystic Dance theme tune for the first time this season. Um, I'll play Mystic Dance theme tune for the first time this season and we shall come back. Oh, you've already got one written. Yes. And he'll tell us what's going to happen on this first weekend of the Primera División. Mystic Dan, take it away. Okay, so I've got Arsenal to beat Union. Uh, like we said, Arsenal have got a few changes, but I like their changes. Velez uh, to beat Argentinos. Boca to win away to Quilmes. Um, Colón and Lanús to draw. Newells and Independiente to draw. Racing Rafaela to draw. Uh, All Boys to win away to Godoy Cruz. San Lorenzo to beat San Martín de San Juan. River to beat Belgrano in the ultimate grudge match. And the Estudiantes to win away to Tigre. Excellent. The Venice Argentinos prediction is an interesting one because last season Venice finished third in the Apertura and third in the Clausura. Argentinos finished eighth in the Clausura and fifteenth in the Apertura. But both times that those two teams played each other last season, Argentinos won. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be an, an interesting one to watch. Um, we have, of course, as we say, already recorded this next section, um, but I'm going to play uh, interval music now. It's been a slightly out-of-order piece because you've just heard Australian dance, mystic dance, sorry, predictions before the end of the show, so it's not traditional, uh, but there's going to be a lot about Hand the Pod this season that's not necessarily traditional, as we shall tell you uh, in the next month or so. There are changes afoot. Don't get too nervous, listeners. Um, and we shall be back shortly with, with a live video cam session on Twitter of your questions, which about one and a half percent of you will already have heard, so don't go anywhere. <laughs> on the podcast it's now time to welcome uh, viewers and listeners who are watching us live on Twitter before we start recording the rest of the pod uh, because we're awkward like that um, I'm Sam Kelly if you haven't seen my face before and I'm, I'm joined as you'll already know if you've been listening to the pod by Australian Dan hello are we allowed to be on the camera too you do and an English Dan hello welcome um, I'll Kind of do this so that you can see the side of the. We'll probably move around a little bit. Yeah. Let's try and get the picture. There we go. Good. Now, for some reason, your app replies are showing up on Twitter, but not next to this camera, um, which is not very convenient. Not get the impression that's what's supposed to happen. But never mind. We're going to press on with this. Um, the idea today was that we would answer some of your questions live. The other idea was that Joel Richards uh, would be here filling the screen with his magnificent jaw. Um, but unfortunately, he's managed to lock himself in his house. Uh, Joel, we apologise if that embarrasses you, but you, you deserve it. He sort of deserves to be embarrassed, yeah. Um, so it's now it's, get away with that. it's time to scroll down and, and try and dig out these, these questions that we've had over the last... Blimey, we've had a fair few... Um, over the last half day or so. Okay, we now have the first question 
First question is from Mike O'Neill, Zook82, um, whose best friend I met in Gibraltar. It's uh, not Zuccolini, is just it? Before the, it's, that. it's not, no. Ah, um, sure. But his, his best friend is also a, a Hand of Pod listener and has moved to Cordoba for a year. That's nice. Um, and I met up with him for a drink in Gibraltar just before he, he headed there on Friday night. Uh, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday afternoon. Um, and he asks that he, he says he's read a few things, negative things, about Sergio Araujo's attitude. Will this hamper his chances at Barcelona? Gentlemen. I would say yes, probably. Uh, I think what's going to hamper his chances at Barcelona more is the fact that he's nowhere near as good as he thinks he is. Well, yeah, that's that's part of the problem, isn't it? He's obviously he's a very skillful player, and people have been keeping it, Barcelona have been keeping an eye on him for a couple of years now. We've been hearing him linked with them. Um, I think it's it's a good move by Barcelona to sign him up for the B team, see how he goes. Um, if I, I do think his his attitude is going to be a huge problem because you hear all apart from his, we've seen him do crazy stuff on the pitch. Um, He's a bit of a malche in terms of making bad decisions and and I don't know taking the, the penalty kicks away from other players and those sort of things. Mm. But you also hear rumours about him getting up to all sorts of things off the pitch. The the famous anecdote was that on his first day training with Boca Juniors first team, he offered Martin Palermo some tips on on finishing. Yeah, um, really. Although I'm gonna I'm gonna keep an open mind about this transfer. As Stan said, it's a very good move for Barcelona, and I think. It's going to be a really good move for Raucha as yeah, well. I, I, think, we, I think very good yeah. for Barcelona might, might be stretching it, but it's certainly well, for not the B. Barcelona no, that's the best move, you know, to yeah. go for the B. It's, I think it's, it's not going to do them any harm long term, and, and yeah. if it does work, then, then it's, it's kind of no lose. I guess. Exactly, and we all know that Barcelona don't have time for, for these kind of egotistical players and ones that want to be bigger than the club, so, you know, it's really going to be put to the test, you know, how his attitude holds up and. He's definitely got the skill. I mean, we haven't seen that much of him. You know, he's been used very sparingly for Boca, but yeah, I think. I think we have to assume that he's got the skill just because the likes of Barcelona have been following him for so many years. He's obviously he looks good when he's on the field, but you didn't. I don't know. So far, we've only seen him a handful of times, and he hasn't always produced. Absolutely. So I don't know. You've got to assume that these scouts have been keeping an eye on him for a long time, and they see something that perhaps we haven't seen yet. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, good move to see it. Like, see how he goes after a year, and then, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, a couple of your your comments as we're featuring live are now uh, coming up. Um, we've had one from Legside Lizzie and one from Shiva LM, and both of them mentioned my hair. Uh, <laughs> it's true. It's magnificent today. Did you put extra body in it just because we're no, no? I, I, I considered uh, dressing it up for the camera. I am wearing my Argentina shirt, especially for the camera. This yeah. is the very same one that's on the hand of pod cover image. Yeah. And um, I think as well, Lizzie. Uh, um, is just Lizzie noticed our. Finette of an unnamed Indeed. mark on display. And yes, this this was the uh, the idea. Uh, the next standard pod Twitcam live. If you would like your own Finette brand featured and named, uh, then get in touch and we'll, we'll quote you a price for it. Yeah. Um, Zook eighty two has asked, asked us another question as well. He says, "I see the loon Teo Gutierrez has signed for a Paraguayan club. What are the chances of him returning to Argentina this season?" Um, and English Dan has has something to say about that, so I'll leave that one to you, Dan. Yeah, I did look into this and. It's sort of it was news to me time for a Paraguayan club because I didn't really see anything on this. I think the two op- the two options he has now is uh, a river staying in Colombia where he was in talks with Junior, his first club, but that is you know it's been quite a tortured negotiation obviously because being in the Colombian league they only have very limited resources and then coming to Argentina where there seems to be two clubs really leading the way for the Signature, which are two Primera New Boys, yeah, River and Quilmes. The only promoted sides. Although I know that Quilmes today completed the signing of uh, Roberto Nani from oh, San wow. Porteño. 
That's uh, that's so, one to ask Paraguay Ralph about yeah. perhaps if he's if he's on so, watching. Yeah, maybe that not. that maybe that puts Teo a bit out of the picture. We we'll have to see. But mm. it seems like Colombia or Argentina are the most likely places for him. Sure. Um, Colin Doherty, whose Twitter handle is Colin C Doherty uh, with an H, asks, "Why the hell did Boca still play four four two? Do they realise it cost them any chance of winning the Libertadores?" He's got a backup question as well. You might as well. He also it. says, "Yeah, sorry." And I guess as a follow-up question, at what point does Argentina start to modernise in this sense? Mm. Um, it's true. You don't see much. Um, you know, the two predominant formations that you can say are probably the four-three-one-two and the four-four-two. You know, mm. things like you know four-two-three-one. They're not really seen. I know Simeone had. Yeah, Simeone had quite a lot of success, uh, albeit with not the most exciting style of play, playing four-two-three-one with uh, Racing in the last season. But no, I think. It's all to the players. I mean, definitely now that Raquelme is not going to be not going to be in Boca, you'll you'll see him definitely play four for two because that was what Falcioni always wanted to play at the start. It was just basically Raquelme was in the way. Yeah, I think Falcioni likes to play because it allows him to have two fairly deep line midfielders, and, yeah. and we know that Falcioni likes that kind of solid. Yeah. Uh, and it's two kind of defense. wide players. They're usually not particularly wide. You know, they're players like Raviti or as we saw in uh, Banfield. You know, people like James Rodriguez who are kind of like. A, to attacking the field, so it's more like a four-two-two-two almost. Yeah, you know, precisely. Um, I think a lot. Yeah, we've talked about the way that you have the same coaches, um, kind of. I don't know, just playing musical chairs in, in Argentina, and I think until they kind of break out of that cycle a little bit, when you see, I guess, guys like Subaldia and Arua uh, Arena Tigre coming through a bit more, you might see them trying some more modern formations, if you like. Yeah. But um, if these kind of coaches like Basile and, yeah. and so forth keep getting churned out uh, well, I mean exactly that's it as well you yeah. know, if you've got three games or four games to save your job you're not going to go experimental sure. tactically you know you're going to play yeah. something that's tried and tested and the players know you know there's no time to you know impose a system from the bottom up well and it's the thing uh, I mean, well, it's going to be interesting as well in that case to see it this season because as well as, as the two you've just named I mean, we've also got Almeida Barros Celotto who are both yeah. new to, to Primera management um, it'll be interesting to see the, the mix and whether they stick to the same formations that they were playing in. Having Savella as the national team coach is extremely savvy and extremely up to date with what's happening in, in Europe. He constant, you see him in interviews and he's constantly talking about uh, you know, what Pep Guardiola is doing or what Mourinho is doing or whatever. He's, he's absolutely up to date. So um, Argentina has, doesn't have the organised structure that it used to of, of all the clubs and the, and the junior uh, the the academies of the clubs producing us the same style kind of thing but hopefully with Sabella in, in charge for a number of years we might see that start to happen again where um, they try to integrate the whole system mm-hmm. but it's not happening at the moment so I think we'll, we'll see a gap between the, the way the clubs play and the way the national team plays Absolutely um, Next question from Shivan LM um, he says which two players currently in the Primera would you love to see fight each other this coming season unfortunately we can't have Hugo Barrientos because he's moved to Huracan um, I'm surprised he got a deal at all because he's uh, we mentioned towards the end of last season that he failed a drugs test and he's, he failed the, the control test to that as well uh, just a couple of weeks ago um, and they, apparently it was for cocaine that, that's been officially um, named now that, that substance I heard it was good um, balls actually but what? okay <laughs> Um, so, which two players, guys? I've got a couple of players. I mean, it might seem like a, a strange little matchup, but I'd love to see um, Ortigosa, uh, who's of San Lorenzo, plays in the Paraguay national team and is a real bruiser, go head to head against uh, Trezeguet. Because I reckon Trezeguet's got a bit of. Uh, yeah. 
bit of bit of He's big got that kind of wiry, exactly. Yeah, grew up I mean, on the street. Well, if you guys would go with everything, everything steaming, but I think Trez are going to keep him at bay. You know, pick him off with a couple of jabs, and then I got a feeling Ortega is pretty close to one of the um, UAE clubs. Or he either already signed, or he was almost about to sign. So that might not be able to happen. Well, let's hope um, so. Yeah, it would be good though. Because otherwise, it would obviously happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, Ortega is in any fight. Um, you'd have to. You'd have to watch that. I think. Well, yeah. um, I, I like more maybe... power, but perhaps less mobility and pace. Yeah, yeah. potentially. But yeah, he looks like a psycho as well. So. Yeah. Uh, we started off, by the way, on twenty-four viewers, and we're now down to twenty. So please do <laughs> feel free to, to retweet us, um, or or just or tell us if, if you think that we're just talking nonsense. Um, I would. Well, in terms of other fights, I'd, like Santiago Silva would be another good one who would just go ballistic. Right. Um, so maybe like Santiago Silva versus um, Camarena. I was about to say Camarena. Yeah, yeah, he'd be. A potentially slightly dirty fighter as yeah, well. Definitely. Um, Ali Poole asks, is it being released as a vodcast or can we watch it live too? Uh, apparently it will be archived live on the website, but after the amount of time it took us to get the damn thing online, uh, that's anybody's guess, know. Ali. Yeah. Um, David Edishaw, with River players talking about challenging for the title, how likely does the Hand and Pod team think that is? I'll leave well, you first. Yeah, you can answer first. Answer first. Um, I don't think they're going to challenge. Well, uh, I don't think they're going to challenge for the title uh, if we were using the old system of, of Apertura and Clausura. We're now down to 19 years, by the way. Um, okay. <laughs> so we've lost another one. Um, but this season, of course, the title um, is being run in a very different way. We, well, not a very different way, but the, the winners of each are going to play off for the league title of the season um, at the end. And so there won't be an Apertura champion. Um, which means that River don't necessarily have to challenge to finish top of the Torneo Inicial as the Apertura is being renamed they, they can take the time to adapt and then try and maybe finish top of the, the, the Torneo Final which is the Clausura um, get into the title playoffs so they, they've got that kind of half season's grace in terms of building up to a title challenge um, I doubt that that's quite the way that, that they're thinking about it though I suspect that they're more wanting to finish <laughs> top of both if they can and avoid the final or whatever um, and I think it'll probably be a bit too soon it's going to be a big step up from, from Primera I think that they've gone, gone about it quite well in terms of the signings that they've made um, perhaps not necessarily how some of those players out have been dealt with in the boardroom as we've mentioned especially Kavanaki and, and Alejandro Dominguez um, leaving was, was not dealt with at all well um, I think who you but in terms of the title challenge uh, sorry, Duncan, was I was just going to say who are you most looking forward to seeing in uh, River Shirt this, this season if we sign him then it's Digaribia mm-hmm. uh, if we can keep hold of him Ezequiel Sirigliano um, who, who's looking very close to well not necessarily very close but it's looking not at all unlikely that he'll go to one of the two Manchester clubs um, or possibly somebody else and that would be uh, a shame from River's <laughs> point of view I think he's, he's probably the, hard, the hardest player that we've got to um, to replace at the moment um, Marcelo Barrovero as I've already said I think is a fantastic signing as yeah, well in God, I agree with you uh, and, and could well be kind of a route back. River always have a tradition beforehand of always having fantastic goalkeepers and they seem to have lost their way yeah with that it's been a while since they somebody so sturdy at the back but um, yeah on paper they have the players to, to challenge yeah. like as you say maybe the second half of the season but. yeah it's got to be a season of consolidation at least for the first six months and then you know if everything's there kind of the players gel well together but as Sam why said, not go, yeah, why not go for a, for a as Sam said though, like after about three rounds, River fans are going to be demanding, you know, a shot at the initial tournament. Yeah. Uh, so oh, it's all going to be forgotten very soon. And yeah. The, the, straight away. The fact that that's not in fact a championship is going to be completely ignored no, by most of the fans. I think it's fairly safe to say. 
Um, he also, David Ellishaw, uh, is David underscore Ellishaw if you want to, to hit him up on Twitter, by the way, um, asks who has been the standout signing of the off-season. Um, and this means that we're trying to rack our brains and remember who has signed who because so much of it's up in the air. Yeah. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm yeah. happy with Barrow Bear. I think Mercado is, is also going to be a good one. Yeah. Um, well, we, we had, can't just name we had signings. this chat a couple of weeks ago last time, whenever we recorded last yeah. time, and um, we said those those guys, we said... Uh, um, who else did we say? I uh, think from the Racing point of view, uh, Diego Richard, the famous beard, is a fantastic signing. Mm-hmm. I saw him in action on Sunday. I went to the friendly Clásico against Independiente, which wasn't particularly friendly. And, you know, he looked, he looked good. You know, it was uh, early, I think it was his first game for Racing, but... There were some nice touches, and I think you know, he's with Camaronesi in the team as well, there's like the base of a very good midfield there. Jose Sand could be a great signing for Racing as yeah. well, especially given that he already knows Subaldia from their time at Lanús. Um, oh, and of course, Maxi Rodriguez was the one we were talking about last time, um, <coughs> who could make a huge difference at Newell's. Mm. And the other one was uh, uh, Roman Martinez going to Estudiantes. Yeah. And now, recently, there's I don't know if it's gone through or almost gone through, but Carlos Luna, Chino Luna. Uh, Martinez's teammate at Tigre has also been linked very heavily with uh, Estudiantes. Oh. So that would be a great signing as well. Those yeah. two moving together would really uh, kind of yeah. Uh, they they combined well last season, and, and that would be a great like pairing to have at Estudiantes. Yeah, uh, Martinez is going to be playing against his old club, by the way, because uh, Tigre are playing Estudiantes on the first day of the season, and Tigre have signed an Estudiantes midfielder, Damian Albiel, I think it is. Um, so presumably those two are going to be. Staring at each other from the opposite side of the pitch than they were doing. Uh, that's on Saturday, I think. I can't remember. Um, Frederick, who is F98FROH on Twitter, asks Can I ask, can I ask all the members of the panel. Panel? That makes a sense. Yeah, yeah. right, um, can I ask, can I ask all the men- members of yeah. their panel um, their favourite formation for the Argentine national team, both tactically, 4 4 2 or other, and players? Gentlemen. Over to you. I'd keep with the four-three-three we've seen in the last few games under Sabella with obviously um, Messi, Higuain, and Aguero up front. I don't think you can go much wrong with that. Yeah, I think that's probably everybody's favourite as well. Seeing those three players with somebody like Di Maria supporting them, yeah. it's fantastic. Uh, if, if I may, I'm sure what, what Frederick might be thinking right now if he's watching this live uh, is, is that that's that's the really obvious bit of the pitch. What what do you think for midfield? Well, the thing is, Defense. I was going to say I wouldn't always go with that four-three-three, and, and I think that's Sabella's idea as well. I think, for mm-hmm. example, this Germany game coming up, he's going to go with a something like a four-four-two uh, with, say, Di Maria and, mm-hmm. and Sosa, and probably like Iwain and Messi up front. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the back. I think you're going to go for a back four. Uh, Fabrizio Colaccini has been included in the squad yeah. uh, for the Germany friendly I saw Sabella talking the other day I don't know if you guys saw it about uh, the, the interview went for ages and now he was asked about the, the defence mainly uh, among other things I guess and um, he spoke very highly of uh, Federico Fernandez the Napoli player Yeah, right. talking about him as exactly the sort of player he compared him he compared him in, st- in, in style to, to PK at Barcelona um, as in like you've got this <coughs> skillful on the ball supposedly yeah. uh, <laughs> um, I'll take his kind of a big guy, a fast, fast guy who's mobile, who can get forward in attack. So Sabella's obviously a huge fan of Federico Fernandez. So far, he's always been playing him with uh, Garay. So you can probably count on that centre pairing for a while. 
I guess it's the left back that's the one that's it's it's left not fleeting as well. And I had Rojo still in the squad as well. He yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice Rojo in this Germany game. So Sabelli will keep faith with him. You know, he wants to give him a decent throw the dust. Sure. But he did also mention Colocini as well. What made me think of that? Uh, so yeah. it's obviously people are wondering why why he hadn't called him up so far. But he said, yeah, he's been keeping an eye on him. Um, he, he's you know he's been performing superbly. So might see him get a chance. Um, so maybe Colocini and, and Fernandes is the centre back pair. Yeah, yeah. Still left and right. Probably, it's probably going to be Rojo left at least. Um, well, the main centre squad as well, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in the midfield, is going to be Mascherano or Gago. Yeah, for me, at least, that's, that's one that I'll yeah. prefer in centre. Di Maria and Sosa probably again. Yeah. Stefan Kelly asks, uh, which Argentine football people would you choose to have their own comic book series, and what would its title be? This is the danger of doing questions like this live. Um, yeah, usually we take three, four hours to prepare these kind of yeah. spontaneous off-the-cuff questions. I think it would be like, well, as we've talked about Diego Richard already. Um, yes. Yeah. It would be called yeah. What Would Diego Richard Do? Yeah. And it would well, be kind of like a quasi-religious kind of comic. I'm Basically going around curing leprosy and turning water into wine. You know, Putting him in like impossible situations and moral dilemmas and then seeing how he reacts to that. Yeah. That would be my there's, there's an idea springing into my head, with, especially with what's going on at Malaga at the moment, about something to do with Diego Buonanotte. Right. Saving the club somehow. But I can't think of a name or what superpower. <laughs> no. Um, I think so. maybe um, Malche is kind of a more stupid Speedy Gonzalez kind of character. Like. Yeah, that would be pretty fun. Yeah. Well, like Malta and Arulfo living together in a kind of. That's more like a real advice to yeah. fortunate <laughs> players and themselves. Yeah. I don't think they even need a comic then, too. Like, they'd just be uh, stick a camera in their room and it'd be fun. Any <laughs> others? Larry Poon again, Poonaloon asks What are Arsenal's chances of retaining the title next year? Also, where is Riquelme going? Uh, I think Arsenal have very, very small chances of retaining the title. I've been surprised at how good their signings have been. I can't really remember who they been, who they were off the top of my head, but um, <laughs> yeah, as That's usual, surprised, yeah. Yeah, as usual they've, they've had, you know, like the, the core of the team sucked out by... Yeah, they've lost Bordiso, I think they've lost uh, Legui Samon. Mm-hmm. is stayed, which is important yeah. and the uh, Colombian... Kind of, kind of falling out with their studio directors yeah. when, he, when they asked him to return to loan, so he's and, not uh, They've also got um, Espinosa, who decided to stay rather than go back to Racing. But I remember hearing a couple of their signings and thinking, oh, that's actually quite a, yeah. quite a smart signing to replace like like for like players. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't see them winning it again, but they shouldn't be a solid team again. No. They've also, so far at least, somehow managed to keep Lisandro Lopez. Uh, the that's impressive, yeah. 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 I mean, they're still a rampaging yeah. goal scoring centre back. I mean, they're still up to go in the European transfer window. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. So yeah, I, I, they, they've got a chance, but I think the other thing is that the new format of the season is going to make it more difficult because they're going to need more than just a good half season. They're going to also need to, they need to a good half season, then one good game. Precisely, <laughs> um, but six months later, and <laughs> yeah. potentially with an entire yeah, game yeah. inside. I'm being facetious. Um, uh, Larry Poon again, Poon Aloon. He, he, you're really helping us out, Larry. Thank you very much. <laughs> there's nobody else sending in any questions. Um, says, oh no, that's not a question after all. Uh, there's a, a question mark this is I was looking at this one here oh, right. um, and, and then yes he, right this is a question from him this, this just shows the organisation which we always put into this um, yes not sure that Argentine teams can get snobby about cocaine given Maradona's legend I assume that that's in response to my point about Barrientos yeah. um, I don't think it's so much that they were snobby I think it's more just that he failed a drug test and they have to be seen to be yeah, doing something but, but um, as I say I'm, I'm slightly surprised that he managed to get a, a deal elsewhere yeah. although I was 
all, all boys kind of gave it this whole thing, you know, we'll, we'll stand by him, we'll help him throw any treatment that he needs, blah, blah, blah. And so when I found out yesterday that he'd just signed on a free for account, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Fair. That's, that's what it takes to stand by. Um, and then says good night, so sleep well, <laughs> Larry. Um, Thanks, Larry. Luna has signed for Lanús, apparently. Uh, according to Argentina previews, again. That'd be a very good signing for Lanús, especially if they hold on to Regueiro. Yes, yeah. which is one of the kind of sagas of the transfer window at the moment. He's uh, this could only happen in Argentina, I'm sure. He's basically trying to renegotiate his contract because they want to now pay him in pesos as per like Argentine law, which is all changing. You know, they can't pay in dollars, and he doesn't really want to be paid in pesos. So this is yeah. He might end up. I know Racing have been linked with him for a move, and I uh, don't know. He might stay at Lanús. It's gonna be interesting. But them two together could be very uh, yeah. Very potent. He had a fantastic quote uh, the other day in 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 the, the papers, which was something like, uh, obviously, as with Jose Sand, he he knows yeah. as as do most of Lanús' side. They they know Luis Luis Subaldia from his time managing Racing and, and indeed playing that. Um, and and he said Subaldia has called me like ten times to ask how I am. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. But if it's all this sweet, one big happy family. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean O'Hagan, SOHagan92, asks Will Geo stick it out in China? And should I buy this? And he's provided us with a link which I'm now going to attempt to click. Should I buy this? Yeah, let's let's hope it's not. It's it's oh. on eBay. It's a Geo oh, Moreno ah, awesome. Shanghai Shenwa shirt. Yes. Um, the answer is yes. You yes, should you should buy it right 60 now. Sixty pounds. That's excellent value. Bargain. I mean, Moreno will probably stay in China, you know, ten, fifteen <laughs> years yeah. easily. Yeah, yeah. I think um, sixty pounds is good value in any language. Yeah. Is is he going to be there very long, guys? Yeah, I think they'll pay. I don't know how long a piece of string. Like, he'll be there for he's, a while. He's, he's being paid an awful lot of money, and he's playing alongside Nicolas Anelka yeah. and, and Didier Drop, and has the honour, uh, the honour uh, as well. Like, yeah. Yeah. Although there was actually saying on the same subject for a second, uh, the Chinese link. I know it came out in Ole, I think yesterday. If today is Tuesday, and then yesterday will be Monday. Yeah, that's correct. That, um, Normally, how it works. Yeah. The great, the only Diego Maradona's in negotiations to move to a Chinese club. Although I'm not entirely sure how, you know, what a type this exclusive from Wale was. Basically, it was a picture of uh, Diego Maradona standing next to a Chinese person. <laughs> and they seem to have connected the dots from there. Yeah, I see. But watch out for Diego Maradona in a Chinese team. There was incisive journalism, you see. Well, yeah. It's just the only explanation. Yeah. Why else would Diego Maradona be standing next to a Chinese person? No, there was talk a couple of weeks ago of him going over for like a month-long, six-week contract or something, which wouldn't surprise me. Which would be fascinating if he had to go up against Batista in the local league. I would love to see that. So, yeah, in conclusion, he might... Yeah, he'll stay there. He'll stay in China for about six years and you should definitely buy that shirt. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Ali Pool, Ali underscore Pool, um, with an E on the end, asks, sorry if I'm a bit late, you're not, don't worry. No, we um, were a bit late. Question, who is the most hated non-Argentine player in Argentina? Mm. Um, I'm going to take that to mean that he, I assume he means the non-Argentines playing in the Argentine league as opposed to who Argentines hate the most from international football. Yeah. Um, to change here, I would have put him Yeah, he'd easy. <laughs> Easy decision. Yeah. Um, Who else we got? My word. Th- this is where we become irritated that this is happening yeah. live, and I can't cut out the very long pause yeah. that, that's about to happen. So I know what to try and fill some time and well, talk. I know that I know that one player, players. especially you know, I can talk from Racing, one particular favourite yeah, in 
in inverted quotation marks was uh, Marcos Casares the Paraguayan who was no longer with wrestling of course no but he's I've seen the other day and I think it's brilliant he's been dedicated a spoof Twitter address from I presume a wrestling fan which is uh, it's just as Marcos Casares but then it's called um, the long name is uh, La Conche de Tu Madre Casares <laughs> and it says kind of the explanation for it is the was it the wrestling player the, the best number four in wrestling history follow me but I won't follow you because I never do on the pitch <laughs> so yeah he would be one of my nominations you know I'm struggling to think of too many others. Foreigners who come here normally end up kind of more as, as cult figures or yeah. than um, someone like uh, Roberto Cavanias, like yeah. and back in the day. Like, I mean, I, I, I guess if, if 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 the amazing happens and he manages to score a hat trick in the first Super Classico or something, David Trezeguet could become just by virtue of the fact there are so many Boca fans. Yeah. Um, but no, for the moment, I don't think. No, yeah, like, I, 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 like it's a shame Teo has left because he, he was pretty hated. He would have been the most yeah. hated, I think, last. And, uh, and as you said, historical guys like Chilabert or whoever. Yeah, uh, really. Right. Well, although having said that, now you've said Chilabert, a lot of non bellas fans think he was an utter bellend. That's what he said. Yeah, Only because he was. Yeah. Oh, see, that's okay. Of course. Yeah, so he's very hated. Yeah. At, at this moment in time. No, they're pretty inoffensive. Pretty struggling to, yeah. Yeah, most of the Uruguayans seem to integrate, and people half the time don't even realise they're Uruguayans. I think. Ah, oh, there we go. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. Santiago is not loved by Santiago Silva. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, Johnny, uh, my, my friend Johnny Hall Ashes on Twitter. Uh, Santiago Silva, yeah. not loved by many. That's that's very true. Um, that's very I think one. he was. Well, I think he was until his recent contract shenanigans. But, mm. Mm. but he did piss a lot of people off after you know leaving Vélez and then coming mm. straight back to Argentina. Will T.H. Weber, will Juan Manuel Martinez be a success at Corinthians or another De Federico? Ooh, that's going to hurt. Matias yeah. De Federico's moved back to Huracan now, so he's playing in the second division next season after failing to break into Independiente's side. Um, yeah. So that's, that, that's not necessarily. Yeah, I think the hard. difference here is that Juan Manuel Martinez is a much better player than De Federico. Plus, I think, well, it's a little bit unfair on De Federico. I mean, he's another. We've talked a lot about, you know, these. Uh, Argentine players that moved to Europe too young. I think the same happened to him moving to Brazil. He was, I think, eighteen when he moved. Yeah, but 19. he moved at the same time. And it was and it was too much. Yeah, I don't know. Pastore moved at the same time to Palermo. And, yeah, and but I think even you know Pastore moving to Palermo was a lot less high-profile move than someone like the Federico moving to Corinthians, who've got someone like you know. 40 million fans, you know, it was yeah. massive pressure. You know, yeah, that's true. Realize, I mean, Brazil's had time since then to kind of resurrect his career, yeah. but yeah, it's just a match to him. But I thought he was out for God knows how long. I thought he did his cruciate thing. He did have an injury, yeah, but after it, after he came back from that, he didn't really manage to break back into yeah. Independiente's side. Um, um, Johnny, my, my friend again, now asks, where will um, where will the River Exile Glimmer Twins end up? Um, I'm not sure what you mean by the Glimmer Twins. I think you mean the Funes Mori Twins. Ah. ah, River exiled. Uh, Ramiro's very much still there. Yeah, uh, Rodrigo apparently wants to move, but um, no. There was talk today of well, I saw their their not seen this uncle, one. whose name is Redondo, who's uh, <laughs> been he's been travelling around Europe, um, getting trying to get a deal for them. Mm. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. And basically, he says Daniel Passarella's asking price is way too high. He's, he's saying the market's changed. They're asking. He was asking for a ridiculous price. There's a lot of people interested and willing to pay good money, but um, for whatever reason, Pasarela 
is asking for. But what are they trying to do? Like sell them, buy one, get one free, or? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, two for two for one kind of deal. Yeah, that's hour. interesting. So I, I get the impression that Ramiro was relatively happy to, to stay at Rever, although Ramiro well, he gave just an started to break into the first well, like you said, yeah, season. You know, Gabriel could, could do with another six months to a year yeah. to see if he can consolidate his. Yeah, you're quite right. That's, I, I said this before we started recording. I'm now going to say it not only with with the the podcast microphone um, on, which which is just here at the bottom of the screen. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but also live on webcam that um, I would be quite happy if River give Rogelio Funes Mori or Gabriel Funes Mori when he makes up his mind what he wants to be called um, if River were to give him another six months uh, because I think he really improved towards the end of the, the second division season um, it doesn't help when a twin has two possible names it's like Yes, Mary Kate. Yeah, and one of them begins with the same letter as, as the one that his brother's name begins with um but yeah, Ramiro, I'd, I'd be happy enough with to, to continue playing for sure. Rogelio, if Milan, if, if that offer from Milan was, you know, as what it was reported to be, then I think River was stupid not to accept it. But then I wonder how real that actually was, given that nothing came of it. Um, so and it looks like um, from the, the preseason training from Almeida, it looks like we're having him endorse Coca-Cola. <laughs> uh, it looks like. Uh, he he's, could be in the starting lineup. Uh, looks like Ocampos, the, the very good young stri- striking come left winger, is mm. probably going to be, at least to start the season, at least relegated to the bench. And Funet Mori and Trezeguet is the, is the ideal starting lineup for Almeida. So, you know, he'd be, I think he'd be quite happy to stay. Obviously, if they get a good offer, yeah, they could be off as well. Yeah, that's the question, I think. If the, the offer comes in, you can, you can probably see him go. Yes, yeah. And, and it's, it's one of the, the bastards about doing these, these season preview uh, podcasts at this stage is that, of course, yeah. the transfer window is going to carry on until considerably further into the season for Argentina than, than it will do in yeah. Europe, where the season starts that bit later. Um, as a result of which, it, it's twice as hard to work out who's going to be, you know, even after you've seen the first two or three matches of the season, you still can't really know what the settled starting lineup for each side is going to be. Um, Hall has asked Dan he's not specified again which I understand that you kneel at the altar of Hugo Moshano do you deny this I'm going to I don't know what he's talking about I must be honest um, the um, union leader and well yeah uh, oh yeah I know who Hugo Moshano well, is I, <laughs> I think Johnny maybe has <laughs> caused some mischief yeah um, um, no are you a unionist I'm a unionist are yeah. you or have you ever been a member no no um, I've been a member of a union yeah <laughs> um David Ellishaw, again, will the, the recent security plan launched by Christina Kirchner and the AFA make any difference? I was trying to see what are the main points in The main point, well, they started off a year ago saying that by <laughs> this time this year... Oh yeah, the National Register of Interest. There'd be a National yeah. Register of, of fans and that every single person who wanted to get into a Primera División match would have to have like a um, driving licence-sized photo card with their face and biometric details on... Uh, the paper tickets would be completely gone and that you would get tickets for the game by going to a bank ATM or one of the official club shops the week before the game ordering and they would kind of charge it on digitally to your card and that you then wouldn't be allowed within however many blocks of the stadium on match day without you know proving to the police that you have this Um, that's been scaled back now and it appears to be that there's going to be a national base of uh, fans who have the what they call in Spanish the derecha de omisión which is the the people that are prohibited yeah. precisely yeah, the people who are, who are banned from going in the stadium and on your way in supposedly everybody who goes into the stadium will have to give a thumbprint right and if your thumbprint matches one of the ones from, that's on this list 
there'll, there'll be a computer at every ground with you know acting like a server with, with those right. details you won't be allowed in um, I can see that I mean, yeah. the, the answer to the question which again is uh, will it make any difference is no of course not it won't be brought in for about three years and then even then it won't work um, supposedly it's been brought in this weekend this, this thumbprint thing well, I saw nothing about it I, well, went, no, well, I went to we'll Racing see. I was at the Racing Stadium on Sunday and yeah. saw a few of the stadiums have these so kind of those thumbprint <laughs> things have been sitting there for a couple of years like mm. not looking like they work but no. there's many kind of mechanism inside them but yeah. You know, they've been there for a couple of years. Yeah. So. Well, we'll see. You know, I just said to these guys that, um, yeah, I've got the, I've got a ticket for the final of the Copa Argentina, and you know, that's just a paper ticket. I think you can get it from anyone you want, and I can't see any, yeah, any controls coming in there. Eric Beard, Beard Eric, um, his Twitter <coughs> handle asks: MLS joining Copa Libertadores, good idea or great idea? <laughs> would trips to the States and MLS clubs in Argentina appeal to clubs I'd um, say it's a very good idea in principle but kind of the practicalities make it very difficult I know even having Mexican clubs in it I think that I read some or I even did the calculations once kind of a team that goes from Buenos Aires to Guadalajara say in Mexico is the same from you know the same distance say from London to Beijing yeah. and you had you know they could end up going to New York, they could end up going to Los Angeles, you know, these yeah. massive, massive travelling times. Which yeah, and it's expensive as well. I agree, yeah, yeah. it's a great idea in theory. Yeah. I think even now the Libertadores is so tough because it's such a big, such a big continent and the travelling times are so hard. This is why we always talk about clubs not being able to win the Libertadores and the National Championship in the same year. Yeah. It's, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd love it. If the United States could find a way to kind of Stage it from Mexico or stage it from somewhere in Central America. Or just pay for everything. <laughs> yeah, or just pay for everything. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna. I, I think it, first of all, I, I think it, in the short term at least, it's going to be a better idea for MLS clubs than it is for the rest of the the Americas, um, because of the the boost that it's going to give to MLS's prestige initially joining joining such an old and, and famous uh, continental championship. Um, and because as well, by having a, without meaning to offend any any of our viewers or listeners from, from Costa Rica or Panama or Cuba or wherever, um, actually Cuba probably aren't in the CONCACAF Champions League, are they? But the Copa Libertadores is a slightly <laughs> higher level of competition um, than the CONCACAF Champions League. I don't think it's controversial to say that. Um, so initially, the MLS clubs are going to be the ones getting the boost. And it might well feed back, you know, if, if the TV market then... So from that point of view it'll be good. In terms of the logistics of the of the the um, continental uh, I'm losing my track of words. So in terms of the, the logistics of continental competition, as you've already said, travel yeah. times, distances having to fit a league programme around all of that as well. Actually, I think Eric is the heir to the Tetra Pak uh, billions. Uh, he's, he's part of that family, so if he yeah. would perhaps fund... So he's uh, bankrolling it. Well, and if he could sponsor a hand of pot as well, you know. Absolutely, yes, Eric. If you'd like to send us a bottle of free fernets and uh, maybe a new microphone. Um, once oh, don't uh, we might ask for a weekly microphone, but a weekly bottle of fernet would be lovely. Uh, then then we could we could give your uh, MLS into Copa Libertadores idea some more positive coverage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And finally, and this really is the last one, ladies and gentlemen, very sorry, uh, Stefan Kelly asks probably the most probing uh, question of the night, what is the ideal length for Lionel Messi's hair? It always come with the hard ones at the end. Uh, I think short. Uh, I like, like it short, yeah. yeah. I'd take yeah. him like, 
whatever, 10 years in Europe before he's got a slightly stylish haircut, which is still not stylish. But It's almost as if he was a teenager when he first moved yeah. there and he's now getting yeah, into being a young adult, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's odd that. Um, no, I like it as it is now, you know. He, he's not going that far off. Maybe a bleach blonde or something at some point, you know. So how, how long do we give it before he tries a Justin Bieber style? I don't know what like, Justin Bieber said is now. I'm, I'm told it's, it's oh. a <laughs> kind of swoop along uh, across one eye. Um, no, I'd like to see him with the um, Palacio like Jedi rat's tail thing. Oh, yeah. yeah that would be pretty cool. Yeah, Jedi I'd like to see him with one of these. Uh, for the benefit of podcast listeners, I'm pointing at my... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of listeners. Okay, we, it's, it's now uh, 20 past 11 in the UK, which is where most of our, our listeners uh, reside, and we're down to 15 viewers, which proves that we've done a fantastic job here. It's really made it worthwhile. We've really kept their attention, yeah. I'd um, like to think there was technical issues in all these houses. Uh, yes, that, that's, that's almost certainly the, the problem. It's been a very enjoyable 42 minutes and 20 seconds. Um, Livestream tells us this. And this video chat will be, apparently archived um, on twitcam.livestream.com slash handapod um, I think that's the correct address I'm just checking out slash user slash handapod um, so enjoy that afterwards and it'll be pretty much you know if you're listening on, on, on the podcast already then we apologise if you already heard it but you're approximately quick calculation one and a half percent of our total listenership so so fingers crossed there won't be too many people who were bored by the last 40 minutes um, we shall now say uh, goodbye for the live recording and also for the podcast because this will, this will be the second half of the podcast even though we're going to record the first half afterwards. Um, I've been Sam Kelly. Goodbye. This is Australian now. Goodbye. Uh, this is English now. Goodbye. Um, and please join us again next week for the pod and uh, we'll, we'll maybe try and sort another one of these live video streams out to, yeah, at some fun. point as well. Um, we're not sure exactly when. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, sleep well and goodbye.